everyone. My name is Sydney. Uh, I've been a member here at Fortune Grace for probably about three years. Students a lot. I kind of just blend in because most of them are taller than me. So, yeah, that's probably why. Um, but today we're going to be in Matthew 5 in the Bibles. You um, have them in the seat in front of you. So if you want, you can take a moment and turn there. It's on page 898. Perfect. Um, and then here at Flourishing Grace, we believe that this is the word of God. And in reverence to that, if you're able, we just ask that you stand. And then we're going to be in verse 13. All right, Matthew 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Yes, never see. All right. Well, it is good to be back uh, with you all this morning. I, it's been uh, a couple weeks. Uh, last week was a little bit different. Um, and we, we worshiped in the new year together here at Flourishing Grace. And that was a sweet time for us as a church. And my notes are all disorganized. Sweet. Give me one minute. No idea what I'm doing. Boom, there we go. Hopefully, we'll find out in a minute. All right. Yes, so we are entering into a new year and a brand new series here at Flourishing Grace. Actually, over the next several months, we're going to be uh, kind of looking at kind of some of the main pursuits of Flourishing Grace, the things that we are passionate about, the things that we as a church, the drums that we're constantly beating. And this morning, and over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the pursuit of formation, right? And I know that many of you guys have uh, made your New Year's resolutions. And I know New Year's resolutions are actually becoming less popular, but we still like set these goals. It's like, I don't know how many resolutions, but I'm going to get more organized this year. Hey, P.S., that's a resolution, all right? I'm just saying, that's what that is, right? I don't have any resolutions, but I am going to start going to the gym now that it's January 1st. That's a resolution, right? Uh, we're going to go to the gym. We're going to lose some weight. We're going to get more organized. Uh, and we're going to be more productive, whatever your thing is this year. Maybe your resolution is a spiritual res resolution, right? Maybe you are here this morning, right? This is your first time ever uh, at Flourishing Grace. And you've said, man, I want to get back to church this year. Um, or I want to get my family more engaged in a faith community this year. I want to read my Bible more this year. I want to pray more this year. I want to meditate on Scripture more this year. I, I don't know what your kind of goal is this year or, or whatever. Category fall into kind of a greater umbrella of spiritual formation. And you're in the right place because that's one of our greatest pursuits at Flourishing Grace. Spiritual formation, according to uh, M. Robert Mulholland Jr., who wrote a book called Invitation to a Journey, which is, uh, which is a must-read. If you are at Flourishing Grace, it's a must-read. Our staff has gone through this book. Uh, we're going to give it out to everybody who joins a path group uh, this January. We'll talk more about that in a minute. M. Robert Mulholland puts it this way. He says, spiritual formation is a process. of Christ for the sake of others. Okay, let me say that again. Spiritual formation is a process. It's, it ain't going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in five minutes. Okay, I know we want instant gratification, but spiritual formation is a process of being formed in the image of Jesus 
for the sake of others. That's what spiritual formation is. And that's what we want to see happen in your life. We want to see you be formed in the image of Jesus for the sake of others. We are all about it here at Flourishing Grace. Our, our mission as a church is to lead people into flourishing relationships with Jesus. At the core of that is your spiritual formation. That's, that's how that happens, is you are formed spiritually in the image of Jesus for the sake of others. And this is what we're going to get after this year in a big way at Flourishing Grace. The primary way we do this is through path groups. Um, as I said earlier, they're all getting... Path groups are these little groups of three to four men or three to four women. They're gender specific. And they're all about, these are men and women who say, I want to be formed in the image of Jesus. That is the goal of my life. That's what I want to get after. And if that's true for you, then I would encourage you right now to sign up for the Path Group course. It starts in just a couple weeks. Actually, no, it starts, it starts next week, next Tuesday Pull out your phone, sign up for the Path Group course and say, man, I want to be formed spiritually. Let's get after this. Last Sunday, we passed out the formation guides to everybody who's already in a Path Group. Um, next month, we're launching all kinds of new resources for our Path Groups. For people who want to be formed into the image of Jesus, we are getting after it this year. The question is, who do you want to become this year? Who do you want to become? Whoever that person is, you have got to work on your formation into that person. Okay? You can't just go run a marathon. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. Maybe for a few of you freaks in the room, you could actually do that. Me, I can barely run a mile, all right? I need to be formed into the image of a marathon runner. I have no desire to do that, but if I did, I would need to be formed into the image of a marathon runner. I would need to actually do the things that marathon runners do. If you want to be formed into the image of Jesus, you've got to actually do the things that Jesus did. You have to live the way that Jesus lived. Train yourself to think the way he thinks, to, to react the way that he would react, to love the way that he would love to do what he would do, to pray the way that he would pray. This is where we are going over the next several weeks here at Flourishing Grace. But right out of the gate, here's what I want you to hear. God wants to reform your life. The God of all things, the creator of heaven and earth, wants to reform you into the image of his Son, he loves you in spite of all of your deformed flaws and failures. He loves you just as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. He wants to reform you into the image of his son, into the image of the greatest one who has ever lived, the greatest one who has ever walked on the face of the earth. He wants to form you into the image of Jesus. And he does so through the power of his son. The same Jesus who saves us through his death on the cross is active in us to form us into his image. But spiritual, spiritual formation is not like going on a diet or going to the gym. It's literally the point of your entire life. It is the reason why you live. It's why you breathe. Is that you would be formed into the image of Jesus. Whether you are a Christian or not, that is the purpose of your life. 
to be formed into the image of Christ. It's why we exist, yet spiritual formation is often pushed to the side. It's often forgotten about. It's often neglected. And we get busy in our life walking the path, not of formation, but of deformation. Most of us, most of us, spend our lives getting busy and going through all of the things that we need to do, not in order to be formed into the image of Jesus, but in order to be deformed. As we know, most of the New Year's resolutions will not happen. I think the, the percentage is 9%. 9% of people who make a resolution actually make it through the whole year. 9%. Meaning, in the same way, most of us who set out to be formed into the image of Jesus set it aside, get distracted, get busy with other things, and we end up walking the path of deformation, not formation. And deformation is what I want to talk about today. Um, we will get to the solution next week. Actually, the next several weeks, we're going to talk about what does it look like? What do we need to do in order to be formed into the image of Jesus? We're going to get to all the beautiful, good, happy things over the next few weeks. I promise it's coming, but today is not that, okay? It's the opposite of that. Today is Empire Strikes Back. Anybody, any Star Wars fans in the room? A few of you guys, Empire Strikes Back is the best Star Wars movie ever, right? The bad guys just pound the good guys again and again and again. Darth Vader lights everybody up and then the movie ends. That's Empire Strikes Back. And that's today's sermon. So let's buckle up. We must sit in deformation for a week. It's just one week, friends. It's just one week. We've got to sit in this though. So many preachers and so many pastors want to just move on and let's talk about losing our saltiness, but then let's talk about real quickly about how we can be the light of the world. Oh no, we're just going to sit in verse 13. Let's just, let's just sit in it for a minute and, and remember that there are two options on the table. Either we look more like Jesus or we look less like Jesus. And most people, most people at the end of this year will look less like Jesus. That's the reality. And we just need to sit in that reality for a week and realize that there's only two options on the table for us. 2023 is a war of formation. And you will either be more like Jesus this year or you will be less like Jesus. There's no in-between. You're not gonna stay the same, I promise you. At the end of this year, you're going to be formed. You'll either be formed into the image of Christ or less of the image of Christ. There's no other option. We need to sit in that for a moment this morning. So what is deformation? Deformation is all the ways that we are deformed from the image of Jesus to the way of the world, right? Or, or simply become less like Jesus. Deformation is becoming less like Jesus. That's what deformation is, and it's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 13. Matthew 13 sits in um, the, the very beginning of the most famous sermon that has ever been preached, right? The Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount begins before Jesus launches into you are the salt of the earth. Before he gets into that, right, he starts with what's called the Beatitudes, right? Very, very famous passage of scripture. Many people are familiar at least a little bit with what the Beatitudes are. I want to actually read the Beatitudes for you this morning just to kind of set the context of Matthew 13. Just so we have an understanding, let's back up all the way to Matthew chapter 2. 
where he begins the Sermon on the Mount, and he says this. He says, and he opened his mouth and he taught them, this is Jesus, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, this morning's sermon is not on the Beatitudes, so we're not going to get into all that. We've actually preached through the Beatitudes before here at Flourishing Grace. You can find it on our website. I just wanted to read it to set the context to really point out one thing, right? Jesus in the Beatitudes, he's intentionally trying to kind of awaken his audience. He's starting his sermon, not with some like, great story illustration like everybody tells you you're supposed to start a story with. No, he launches into this, these statements that are meant to kind of shake awake his audience. These things don't make any sense to us. Wait, blessed are the poor in spirit? What? I don't want to be poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are persecuted? I don't want to be persecuted. Blessed are those who mourn? I don't want to mourn. All right, blessed are the meek? No, the meek get run over. I don't want to be meek. Jesus is is trying to shake you awake. He's showing you something. All of these things are things that the world is opposed to. And even the things that the world would say that they're not opposed to, like blessed are the pure in heart, that sounds really good. Nobody in the world wants to be pure at heart. They don't want to actually do the things that are required to be pure at heart. Jesus is saying the way of the world, he takes the way of the world, he turns it upside down. He says, this is the way of the kingdom of God. This is what it looks like to come after me. This is what the people of my kingdom look like. And they are opposite of the way of the world. This is what it looks like to come after me. And it is complete polar opposite of what it looks like to live apart from me. You are either like the world or you are like me. And out of that context, he launches into verse 13. The very next verse after the Beatitudes is the verse that um, Sydney read for us earlier. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Now, I know a lot of preachers and pastors, they go into like all of the qualities of salt and all the things of salt. That's not where we're going with this. I don't think that's what Jesus intended. Jesus isn't really talking about salt at all because salt can't lose its saltiness. He's not trying to talk about salt. He's talking about people who live opposite to the rest of the world. He says, you stand out. You taste different. You have a different flavor and it's strange and it's different. It's odd. But it's attractive. It's attractive. It's like eating that potato chip. You can't have just one. That salty goodness just draws you back for more and more and more. 
this is better. And the world knows it's better. This is different and strange. And the world says it's strange and it says it's different. But yet it says it's better. The world looks at the list. Peacemakers, meek, merciful. They say, those are, those are good things. But they're completely foreign to the way of the world. Jesus is saying, you are different. You're set apart. Unless you're not. Unless you're not, if the salt loses its saltiness, it's no longer different. There's two options here. You can look like me, be formed into my image, stand out amongst the world, or you can look like everyone else. And over here, the world will taste and see the goodness of your God. But over here, there, there is nothing to be tasted. There's nothing to be seen. It's just the bland, same thing that everybody sees. They will see nothing in you that they don't see in everybody else around you. But if you are formed into the image of Jesus, the world will be radically transformed through your formation. Remember, formation is a process of being formed in the image of Jesus for the sake of others. Salt is delicious for others. Salt doesn't delight in its own saltiness. I delight in its saltiness when I bite into that chip. We exist for the sake of others. What Jesus is saying is that there are people in this world who are depending on your saltiness, who are depending on your spiritual formation. Neighbors, friends, coworkers, family members are depending on your spiritual formation. That through you, they might taste and see that Jesus is good, that God loves them and has something different and something better for them. We must, we must not allow deformation to take root in our lives. We must not allow deformation to take root in our lives. If we do, there's far too much at stake. The mission in South Davis County is at stake. Your neighbor's eternity, your friend's eternity, your coworker's eternity are at stake. God wants to save people through you by forming you into the image of his son. I believe that to be deeply true, which is why we must sit in deformation this morning in order to see its horrible effects. There are a number of things that I wanted to show you about deformation this morning. Uh, originally, I had a list of like eight things, and I was like, that's like worse than Empire Strikes Back. Um, so I pared it down for you. I'm going to give you three and a half things. It's really four, but one of them's really, really short. So you're welcome for that. As we walk through these kind of three and a half things, I want you to consider this question. Uh, maybe you got a piece of paper and a pen. You can write this down. Um, I just want you to think about this as we walk through these things together. Where in your life are you at the greatest risk of being deformed? Where in your life are you at the greatest risk of becoming less like Jesus? Or maybe it might help you to look back on your life over the past year, 2022. Where were you deformed the most? Where did you become the least like Jesus in 2022, right? Formation is hard to see. Deformation is hard to see. It sneaks up on us. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. So as we walk through these kind of three and a half things, I want you to consider where this might be happening in your life. The first thing is this. And this is the short one. Christians are commanded to fight against deformation, okay? This is not an option. It's not like, man, if you feel like it, you know, 
Let's work towards formation, not deformation. No, 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 no. We are commanded again and again and again to fight against deformation. Paul says it this way famously, Romans 12. We know Romans 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we want to talk about being transformed by the renewing of your mind, and I promise you we're going to get there. But I want you to just sit and realize you are commanded to not be conformed to the world. That there is a way of living that is just like everybody else. And then there's a different way. Paul says, don't live like everybody else. Don't let the, the world mold your life into its mold. Don't sink into that mold and look just like everybody else. Fight against that. Do not be conformed. Here's how Peter puts it in 1 Peter 1.14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Peter says you once looked like everybody else in your passions of your former ignorance, but you've been transformed into the image of Jesus. Don't go back to that. Don't lose your saltiness, Peter's saying. In order to become more like Jesus, we must work against the ways of the world out there, out there in our communities, in our, in our places of work, in, in, our, in our communities online. We're constantly working and living on guard against the things that would form us away from Jesus, that would deform us, but then also in us, the ways of sin in our life. This is a 24-7, 365-day-a-year fight against deformation. We are commanded to fight against deformation. And if you want to live and become more like Jesus this year, you must fight against the conforming effects of the world and the conforming effects of sin, which leads us to the second thing. I told you the first one short. The second thing is this. Sin is constantly working to deform you from the inside out. Sin is constantly working to deform you from the inside out. Paul puts it this way in Romans 6, 12. He says, let not therefore. So there, there, there's, there's the command again. Don't do it. Don't, you got to fight against it. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Sin wants to be the king of your life. It wants to reign, to rule in you, to make you obey its passions to make you become like it. it. says, come, follow me, be like me, emulate me. Meanwhile, Jesus says, no, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come after me, follow me, live like me, become like me. Let me form you into my image. There's a war going on every day between the image of Jesus and the image of sin, and it's happening within you. I love how the great Puritan preacher John Owen puts it like only a Puritan preacher can. John Owen says this in his work on sin and temptation. He says, when we realize a constant enemy of the soul abides within us. Stop right there. Have you realized that? When we realize a constant enemy of the soul abides within us every day in me is an enemy of my soul waging war against me every day of my life, 24-7, maybe not 24-7, maybe not while I'm sleeping, I don't know, 17 hours a day, 365 days a year, in me is an enemy of the soul, waging war against me. He goes on, what diligence and watchfulness we should have, how woeful is the sloth, the lazy person, 
and how ne- and negligent then of so many who live blind and asleep to this reality. There is an exceeding efficacy and power of indwelling sin in believers. It's effective and it's powerful for it constantly inclines itself towards evil. We need to be awake then if our hearts would know the ways of God. Our enemy is not only upon us as it was with Samson, but it's also in us. The enemy is not only upon us. It's not just the, the world out there. Satan would love for you to believe that the greatest enemy of your formation is like out there someplace. Sorry. It's like out there in the world someplace. Like the greatest enemy of your formation is like everything that's happening in the news, right? Like the, the MAGA crazy people are, that's the greatest enemy. No, 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 it's the woke people. That's the, the Russians are the greatest enemy of your formation. Like it's all out there someplace. It's like your coworkers are the greatest enemy of your formation. It's all the bad things that are happening in the world. Like that's the greatest enemy for, no, 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 no. The greatest enemy of your formation is right here. It's in you. Sin is constantly working to deform you, to make you less like Jesus. A constant enemy of the soul abides within us every day in 2023. Every day, sin will be at work in you to deform you from the image of Jesus. Let me say that again. Every moment of every day in 2023, sin will be at work in you to deform you from the image of Jesus, to make you less like Jesus. Every day. Again, Robert, M. Robert Mulholland in that same book, he says, spiritual formation is not an option. It's not an option. The inescapable conclusion is that life itself is a process of spiritual development for all people, Christians, non-Christians, and everyone in between. Every religion in the world is constantly in a process of spiritual development. The only choice we have is whether that, we, that growth moves us towards wholeness in Christ or an increasingly dehumanized and destructive mode of being. That's the option. That's a choice. There's only two choices. Are we going to become more like Jesus here? Or are we going to move into an increasingly dehumanized and destructive mode of being? At the end of this year, you will not be the same person you are now. You will be formed. It's not an option. You can't just remain the same this year. It doesn't work that way. You're going to be formed. You're either going to be more like Jesus or less like Jesus. Dehumanized and deformed, destructive mode of being. Next, kind of going on that same line, the next point that I want to make is deformation is fueled by passivity. It's fueled by passivity. Um, I mean, we need to be actively fighting and actively engaging. If we are not, our deformation will be fueled by our passivity. Here's how Paul puts it in Ephesians 4. He says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Right? You once did. You once walked as the Gentiles did out there in the world doing worldly things, but you can no longer do that. Don't lose your saltiness. To fulfill um, in the fuelty of in the fuelty of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to listen their hardness of heart. They have become callous and given themselves up 
to sensuality, greed, and practice every kind of impurity. They've become callous, lazy. They've given up. They've given themselves over to it. The most deformed people I know are the most passive people I know. People who have become callous. That's just the same thing every day, going through the motions of their faith, but no real formation is happening. They become passive, calloused. They've given themselves up. They've adopted all the things of the world because it's attractive to them, and they've just gone for it. They just accept anything and everything. Maybe throw the sticker or the label of common grace on it. Look, it's a good thing that God has given us this thing. Throwing the sticker of common grace on all things in their life. I believe in common grace, but be careful. You can slap that sticker on anything and call it good while continuing to be deformed, becoming less like Jesus. The fight against deformation that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, as I said, it's, it's all day, every day. It's a war in you and around you. If you are callous, if you have given up, you've already lost. It's already over. We cannot be passive on this. A really, really easy example of an external force of deformation, an external tool of deformation, um, is social media, right? This is like the biggest tool of deformation in our day. And this is not some Christian idea. Like, everybody knows this by now, okay? All the research is in. The studies are done. Everybody knows. The data is there, right? We've heard the stories. Um, We've seen the Netflix documentaries. We know the stories of the people in Silicon Valley that have, like, made the apps, and they're like, no way am I letting my kid have that. My kid can't have an iPhone. I'm not gonna put the crack in their hand. What are you, crazy? Like, all the data's in, We know that there is a direct correlation with an increased use of social media and an increase increase in depression and anxiety. Like, data's in. There's an increase in social media. There's an increase in our our anger, in our loneliness. Social media doesn't make us more connected. It makes us more lonely. It makes us less fulfilled. It increases our greed. It increases our anger. It increases our, our mistrust. And our divisions, everybody knows this. This is not some new information to you. I know that's not a new information to you. And yet, we just keep scrolling. It's passivity. We just don't care. We become callous. We've given ourselves over to it. There's a million of these things. Social media is just like the low-hanging fruit, okay? It's just an easy one. It's the greatest tool of deformation in our world right now by far, okay? It's an easy one. And we've just given ourselves over to it. We just keep scrolling. I mean, the greatest act of passivity that I can possibly imagine, and we see this all the time, we will take medication for depression and anxiety, and we'll just keep scrolling. Just keep scrolling. It's, it's like somebody who's addicted to drugs. They just keep taking drugs, but then they take other medication that helps fight the effects of the drugs. It's the same thing. There is no difference. There is zero difference. It's ridiculous to me. It's unbelievably passive. And if I were to tell you, hey, this year you are going to look less like Jesus at the end of the year if you keep scrolling, what would you do? You know, it doesn't really affect me the way it affects other people. It's, it's not, you know, I, know, I know that that's what the data says, and it affects all the people that way. But Josh, that's not really how it affects me. I can keep scrolling. Okay. 
We cannot be passive about this, friends. We must reject passivity and accept the responsibility for our spiritual formation. And as I said, there's a million of these things. And I hope you're thinking through them and you're writing them down. Social media is just like the low-hanging fruit. It's an easy one to pick on. But it's a hard one to give up, isn't it? It's a hard one to stop. And I promise if you keep scrolling, you will be less like Jesus this year. You'll be more deformed than you are formed. Number four, finally, deformation is deceptive. It's hard to spot it in our lives. Um, Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's very clear. But for the most part, for most Christians, it's a hard thing to spot. Ephesians 4 and 5 are all about formation and deformation. Ephesians 5, 6 through 8 says this, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partakers with them, right? Those who are deceived. Don't become partakers with them. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Don't, don't, don't join in with those who are deceived. Don't become deceived as they are deceived. Later in that same chapter in verse 11, it won't be up on the screen. I don't have this for you, but verse 11 says, Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Right? Deformation happens in the dark. And, and we could go on and on and on about all the ways that deformation takes place in, in the dark. We just don't have time. This is why path groups are so critical. It's critical to have people in our life that we've given permission to, to say, I need you to call me out. I need you to tell me where I'm being deformed. I need you to, to say, you look less like Jesus in this area of your life. And we need to be a people who have the stomach to actually say that to people who have given us the permission to say it to them. Okay, I, you don't need to tell everybody in the room where they're being deformed. It's not your job. But in your path group, that's your job. You've, people in your group have given you permission to say that. We need the stomach to say it. We need the stomach to receive it. To say, it. I mean, I see a longing in you to become more like Jesus. But I see a passivity in you that's deforming you. I see a practice. Here's something that you do regularly. And Jesus wouldn't do that. Here's the way you respond to these things. And Jesus wouldn't respond that way. Here's how you talk to people in your life. And Jesus wouldn't talk that way. You're being deformed, and you don't see it. It's deceptive. It happens in the dark. How do we spot deformation? Like, how do we see it in our lives? It's hard, but it's possible. Right? I said earlier, I mean, if you want to, if you want to set the goal of running a marathon this year, that's your New Year's resolution. You got to get formed into a runner. How do you spot a marathon runner? What do they look like? Hard to see. You can't quite tell. If, we, if I said, hey, find everybody in this room who could run a marathon tomorrow. Tomorrow. How would you spot them? How would you find them? I think we could quickly eliminate some people. I'm just saying. <laughs> but then other people would fall into a category. It's like kind of hard to see. Kind of hard to tell. Not quite sure. If you think I could run a marathon tomorrow, you'd be sorely mistaken. I can barely run a mile. Okay? I would be dying. I'd be dying. But if I came in here with my little running shoes on, my short little running shorts, which I don't own, but if I did, right? 
couple of my little gel packs, my little hip belt with my little water bottles on it, which I don't own either, but if I did, and my little 26.2 sticker sticked on my coffee cup, you might be like, oh, that guy can run a marathon tomorrow, and you would be wrong. In the same way, friends, we can parade around carrying our Bibles, a wealth of knowledge that we've built up over the years of, of biblical knowledge and information. We can put on an act and a show for everybody around us and be what Jesus called when he talked to the Pharisees. He called them whitewashed tombs. You look really nice and shiny and white on the outside, but on the inside, everything's dead. It's just a bunch of deformation. You're just de- being deformed all the while, but on the outside, you look really, really good. And this is where it becomes really, really dangerous. If we want to give the image of formation while practicing deformation, you're already dead. It's already over. The way you know if somebody can run a marathon tomorrow, take them on a run. Take them on a run. You'll know real quick. You'll see me sucking wind 30 seconds in, right? But the person that can run a marathon, like five, six, seven minutes in, they're just like looking like a gazelle, right? You, you can tell, right? You, you know if they can run a marathon or not. You take them on a run. It's on the course. That's how you tell. So how are you doing on the course? Do your kids say, man, my mom looks like Jesus. She treats me with the kindness and mercy and grace that Jesus treats me. Does your spouse say, man, my husband loves me the way that Jesus loves me. I see the love of Christ in him. On the course, how are you doing? Do your coworkers say, man, of everybody in my office, this person looks more like Jesus than anybody I know. How are you doing on the course? How are you doing in the run? Do you look more like Jesus? Are you being formed or are you being deformed? It's sneaky, but don't let it be sneaky on you. Actually measure your life. Be honest with yourself. Have people in your life that can call you out. Expose the darkness within you. Where are you being deformed? Now, before we close, I know I said it earlier, Empire Strikes Back. Okay, there's no good news. Uh, We're going to get to it next week, I promise. Come back. But I don't want you to walk out of here with your head hung low saying, I just, I don't love people in my life the way Jesus loves people. I don't respond the way that Jesus responds. I'm, I'm angry and I'm jealous and I'm greedy and I, I, I don't want to be those things and I just keep failing in those things and go out of here with your head hung low, defeated. You can't leave here like that. You can't leave here like that because listen, the fight that you've lost tomorrow is the same fight you're fighting today. It's the same fight you're fighting tomorrow. And if you leave here with your head hanging down, you're going to lose today and you're going to lose tomorrow too. You got to go out of here fighting And here's the beauty of the gospel. We have a Savior who has already run the race and he's run it for us. And so it doesn't matter if I can't run a marathon. He's already run the marathon for me. And the the power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and working in me and empowering me to actually be one who is formed in the image of Jesus rather than the image of the world. That's what we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks. So you don't have to leave here defeated. You leave here in victory because he has already conquered it. He has already empowered you. We just have to cling to him. We have to look to him. 
Here is how famously the author of Hebrews in Hebrews 12 puts it. He says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also, just like they did, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, the race of formation, the race of holiness, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Consider him who ran the race and never once experienced deformation. And ne never once was even a little bit deformed. Constantly bared the image of God and bared it perfectly. The whole way through, every mile, every inch, every year, every moment, he perfectly bared the image of God. Consider him. Fix your gaze on him. And let's go. Let's get after it. Let's run the race of endurance with him by his power and his means. He will carry us through if you will run the race. That's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks here at Flourishing Grace. Let me pray for you guys. Jesus, we come before you and we acknowledge that I mean, there are so many places where we have stumbled and we've fallen We've stopped. We've stopped running. We are tired. We are weary. We are exhausted. We've bought into the lies of the world that this is going to fix my problems and this is going to fix my problems and this is going to fix my problems and none of it has. We've tried to take the shortcut. We tried to take the, the quick and easy way. But your way is narrow and hard. And we need you to help us see it through. One more hour, one more minute, one more second. Empower your church, empower the people in this room that want to be formed in your image. Encourage them this morning. Spur them on this morning. Form them this morning. Lift their gaze so they might see the founder and perfecter of their faith. That they might be eager and hungry to fight the fight of formation this year in their life. And at the end of this year, would you reward them with the image of Christ being birthed and born in them more than ever before? I pray these things in your name, in the name of Jesus, amen. Friends, we're gonna sing one last song together, declaring that truth in this place. Would you stand with me as we sing?